0: Wednesday, uh, 10 a.m., live streaming on Facebook, TCC Touchpoint and Teaching. Um, Pastor Dean and Gus will be um, sharing from God's Word. Wednesday evening is the TCC Youth Group, and did I say 6 o'clock? And 6.30 is the Kairos Gathering led by Tim and Kathy Pomp, and um, tithes and offerings, if you want to mail them in, um, 10 Strike Community Church, P.O. Box 67, 10 Strike 56683, or you can give online <clears throat> at our website, 10 I think that's all the announcements. Well, Dean had asked me to do the Blessed Life Moment Father's Day. So, this is somewhat what I had planned for Father's Day. (laughs) And um, so I maybe altered it a tiny bit, but um, to share about my dad. um, So, there's gonna be like two, kind of two parts to this. Dad really enjoyed history, maybe more in his later years, but, um, and I think he got that from his mother, because um, Grandma, if you know, we have a museum, and that was Grandma's idea. Um, but he passed that love of history on to both Marilyn and I, and and to my family also. Um, so this is going to be a little bit of a history lesson, the first part. Um, as far back as I can remember, this church body was noted for two things. Music. Um, from tiny age, there was always, in the old Presbyterian church, there was a lot of music. I'm not sure we knew quite what worship was, but... The Lord worked with us. (laughs) Um, The second thing was giving. Um, I don't ever remember being taught specifically about tithing. We've had some wonderful teachings as of late on that. Um, But I think it was caught maybe in a little different ways. Um, I was going back through the old ladies' aid um, minutes. And... Um, at the front of the the book said the object of the lady's aid was to help the body always. That's what stuck out to me. There was a little more, but... And I think that's what was taught um, to me and and others that when there was a need and there was something you could do about it, you did it. And... um, So I think a part of tithing, it it doesn't replace giving of our finances, but um, I think we could look is our time. And um, I had examples of that um, growing up. I I watched Mom and Dad, Bob and Vi Halverson, Many of you remember Vi, probably not too many remember Bob, if you, anybody ever knew him. Um, but then Don and Mabel Emery, they were our pastor here for 17 years. Came when I was three and left when I graduated from college. I said they couldn't do anymore, so they gave up. <laughs> um, but Don and Mabel sewed into us kids. Um, Don was a school teacher to support his family, but basically they gave of their time here at 10 strike. And he would, or they would um, come on Saturdays, pick us, pick all the kids up they could fit in the car. That was before seat belts, <laughs> so they could get a lot of kids in the car. <laughs> um, always Saturday night, um, when we were younger, we had junior choir. I don't know what we sounded like, but we sang. And um, then as we grew older, there was youth group. They would come. uh, We had area youth rallies once a month. They'd pick all of us kids up, drive to Bagley, Walker, Bemidji, up north, I don't remember, any place it was being held at different churches. Then take us all home and be back here Sunday morning again. And they had... Bible study during the week, and visited so they they sewed their time into us um, when um, we were faced with the um, decision what to do the We had a small congregation the church building was in need of work it was um Built in 1901, and um, you know, no running water, anything. And so they they had three options: they could close the church, dissolve it, and join other congregations; they could try to remodel the old church, or they could break away from the presbytery. We were Presbyterian church at the time, and build a new church. And we know what they decided to do, and. There were approximately, if I remember right, about 40 people attending. Half of us were kids, so they did that project to build where the um, the kitchen is now, um, with you know basically 20 adults. <laughs> and so um, giving, they they gave. Um, at that time, was <clears throat> when I really watched Dad and Bob um, work many, many hours. Just Bob was a painter by trade, so after work he'd come down, start painting. I'd come down once in a while to see what he was doing, and he'd hand me a hammer and said, "Start nailing those nails back in the floor," because we had plywood for about first five. Yeah, five, six years, something like that, and the nails would work out, so I'd pound the nails back in. Gotta find where where I'm at. (laughs) Oh, yeah, one day Dad said to me, Get the lawnmower, meet me at church. Um, So I did. He walked in front of me, picking up rock, everything. Clearing out enough for where he figured the yard should be, and then he turned to me and said, "Keep it mowed." <laughs> he never said when to stop, so I guess I'm still, still mowing. <laughs> I think that was 1968. <laughs> yeah, I'm plowing. <laughs> I didn't have to do that till he went to heaven, so <laughs> except when he was gone. Um, so dad, wasn't, dad was a teacher. He was not a classroom teacher, but he was a life lesson teacher and very, very good at it. Sometimes I didn't like the lessons learned, but <laughs> now I do. We worked hard, but we did have a lot of fun. Um, One of the things, as I was looking back, um, trying to think of something specific, uh, is a principle that Dad, a biblical principle Dad used, uh, but he didn't know that's what it was. Romans um, 4, 17 talks about when God told Abraham that He made him a father of many nations. And at the end of the verse, it says, and call those things which do not exist as though they did. Dad spoke many times to me that I could do well. I remember, I don't know, first grade, second grade, whatever it was, we were learning about money. He took the change out of his pocket and put it on the kitchen table. He said, you can count this, you can have it. And I, Oh boy. (laughs) I couldn't count it. And I didn't get it. (laughs) But um, he said, You can learn to do it. And, um, you know, it it didn't deter him. Uh, Report card time would come. (laughs) Ask Faith and Anna about report card time with Grandpa. (laughs) He would look. Theirs was a lot better than mine, <laughs> um, but he would go over that. And say, no, you can you can improve. You can do this better next time. And um, even like working at the plant with him, um, he would. He knew that I watched carefully how things were done, so um, when he felt time was right, the right opportunity, he'd say, I remember exactly one time, he'd said, go down and finish pumping out the treatment, finish the treatment. So I went down there and looked at the pipes and the valves and figured it all out. And um, so the next day I said, how did I do? He said, you did everything right except you forgot to close the one valve, so gravity fed back and over. He said... So just remember to close it next time. So he'd never, never yell at me if I did something wrong. He would just explain what I did wrong so the next time I could do it right. So going from one that had a hard time learning the ABCs and counting money to actually graduating from college is only because I had parents that told me they believed in me that I could do it so parents you don't have to be perfect <laughs> you know, mom and dad weren't perfect but um, just let your kids know they're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that's Ephesians 2.10 Another scripture that fits in here is Mark 11:23. 23, the importance of saying. It says, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things that he says. He will have whatsoever he says. So believe in your kids, encourage them, help them in their weaknesses, praise their strengths, and call those things that be not as though they are, instead of labeling what they are as though that is what they will always be. And this isn't for parents only, it's for all of us to see the good in others and call it out as to what they can be. You know, who knows? what one positive word can do in the life of someone, how it'll change the direction of their life by one good word. So um, so let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have made us for good works and you see the good and we know the plans that you have for us are good and we thank you We thank you also, Father, that we have resources, finances, that you've blessed us with that we can give back to you and we just ask for a blessing on both the gift and the giver for the tithes, for the offerings, for the time that's put into things. And we thank you that we can offer those to you and I thank you for parents that taught me the blessing of giving to others. In Jesus' name, thank you.
1: So well, this is Glennis' uh, book. I read through quite a bit of it this week and it's very much of a inspiration writings and a lot of scriptures that follow poetry and the prayers I encourage you to get a copy Amen Last week I began talking about Paul the man and his message and so we talked about Paul the man last week and so I want to Just continue along those lines this morning. And so let's begin with Romans 2.16. And so talk about the message that he preached. And it's interesting here that Paul says, let's just read this, on the day when, according to my gospel, God will judge the secrets of men through Christ Jesus, he calls it my gospel, and he does that at least three times in the translation that I was using, and maybe more in other translations, but he calls the gospel, my gospel. Amen. And so, this isn't just the gospel that he preached, it, it was, you know, my gospel, this isn't a genitive uh, case. And it shows that it's possession. He's taking ownership of this. And he has that kind of confidence all through his writings. Amen. In 2 Timothy 2, eight again, remember Christ Jesus, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel. And he... It, you know, it wasn't just exclusively his gospel. Anybody could join in, and anyone could partake of it, but yet he took ownership of it because it became so real in his life. In Galatians 1.11, we see how this gospel became his gospel. For I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man, for I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. What a marvelous place to be, and he received the gospel, not through something handed down from man, but directly from the heart and the mouth in the impartation of Jesus Christ. And so the words of Jesus had the power to impact and uh, ingrain themselves within the Apostle Paul. And, you know, he was in, he was out of sight of the scriptures for many years, but yet, uh, so we don't really have, know exactly how this came about, And so it could have been a process of time that that God was speaking to him, but I tend to think in Second Corinthians twelve two, I just have a number of scriptures here today. Second Corinthians twelve two, he says, I know a man in Christ who fourteen years ago, whether in the body I do not know, or out of the body I do not know, God knows. Such a man was caught up to the third heaven, and most people believe. Uh, Bible scholars and things believe that he's talking about himself. He was caught up to the third heaven. You know, the, the encounters with God change our life. And I know how such a man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, God knows, was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words which a man is not permitted to speak. And so I guess we'll have to wait till we get there to hear what it was that God had revealed to Paul. But also I believe in this time that the gospel was infused into his life. And I don't know if you've ever experienced it, but God can drop truth into our hearts in a moment, in a flash. I believe that this is what happened with Paul. A few years ago, I was sitting here on a Sunday morning. Pastor Steve was teaching, and all of a sudden, a whole message just dropped into my heart. Scriptures, points, everything, in just a flash. And so God can do things in his own way. And I, I felt it was for a Sunday morning message, but I wasn't scheduled to speak for like three weeks or so. And I said, Lord, I'm gonna, am I going to carry this for three weeks? You know, it kind of captivates you and, you know, everything... It's just there all the time, all the time. And and I drove, I was driving over that afternoon to see my dad. And all of a sudden I got through the Wurt and I was taking that shortcut over to Big Fork. And my phone rang and Pastor Keith from Bemidji real life church said and on my heart can you preach next Sunday I said yep I got a message (laughs) hallelujah isn't God great and that may seem like a small thing but yet it is a great you know just to cooperate with God to walk with him I've had that happen many times but yet that one just kind of really stuck out to me. And so God can drop things into our spirit in a moment. I remember back in the, probably the early 90s I was powerlifting and I was lifting at a meeting in Alberta Canada. And I had the privilege to meet John Ford who had been a world champion I was lifting in the over-40 class, but he was a world champion in the open classes. And so I kind of had known of him somewhat, but it's interesting that I read his testimony later. He was a believer, and he said that he had, had been training and getting farther and farther up in the... In you know at levels of competitiveness, and he hit a plateau, and he knew that if he was going to be able to get onto the world stages, that he would have to have some help from drugs and he decided to do it, and it got totally out of control, it ruined his life and the drugs were deceptive. You know, he'd get sick and he'd have different things happening and he would never say, he never could believe that it was the drugs. But after a while, his liver shut down, his pancreas shut down, he couldn't digest any food. He had to take enzymes just to digest food and he wound up in the hospital and he was yellow from Jonas. And he was just given up to die. There's nothing that could be done. Young man. And he was a Baptist. And he said, Lord, if you let me live, I'll spend my life talking to kids about staying off the drugs. And he said at that time, the whole gospel of John was dropped into his spirit the whole thing in just a flash in a moment hallelujah and he he did that he spent his life working with kids to keep them free as we press into the Lord as we embrace him as we love him He has a way of communicating with us in ways that these things get branded into our heart. Amen. And look at the transformation that happened with the Apostle Paul. He went from a persecutor of the church to a lover of the church. In 2 Timothy 2.8, but make Jesus the anointed one your focus in life and ministry. For he came to earth as a descendant of David and rose from the dead according to the revelation of the gospel that God has given me. This is the reason I am persecuted in prison by evildoers, enduring the suffering of these chains. But the word of God can never be changed, changed. And he says, I endure all these hardships for the benefit of the chosen ones in Christ, so that they may also discover the overcoming life that is in Christ Jesus and experience a glory that lasts forever. What a transformation he went from persecuting, throwing Christians in jail also having some put to death to now and giving up his life that they may find the truth of the message that he was preaching that is the power of the word of God that's the power and God will, will, it will brand he will make the word of God a part of us It it just works there. You know, Jesus said, if you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask whatever you will and it will be done for you. But the power of the abiding word of Jesus within us, it just stays there, stays there. We pay attention to it. We hold it up before us. We meditate upon it. It begins to work down deep into our character and begins to transform us be more and more like Jesus. Back in 1972, when I gave my heart to the Lord, Colossians 3, 1 through 4, became my scripture. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. For Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For you have died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, we will also appear with him in glory. And I remember that was so constantly with me. And I went to a meeting and I heard somebody preaching on that scripture. And I thought, hey, that's my scripture. Well, it was my scripture, but it's big enough to be everybody's scripture. Amen. The power of the Word of God. We hold it up before us. We meditate. We preach ourselves truths from the Scriptures. Something happens of transformation. Let's just go quickly to John, or excuse me, Romans chapter 8. And I just want to go through a few scriptures here to see how this reality of his gospel, how it impacted his life. So it was given to him to give to others, but yet it was also given to him for himself. And I just want to read, I'm not going to read all these scriptures, but I'm You know, I have a few phrases from these scriptures. The first thing he says in verse 1, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So he's using, you know, us, you, we, over and over again, speaking to the inclusion of the body into the message. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In verse 2, the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. And this is what he was desiring, the body to catch, the freedom. Your source was the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Jumping down to verse 9, however, you are not in the flesh but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. So again, he's appealing to the whole body. These are truths for the body. Verse 10, if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. If the spirit of Jesus dwells within us, he he who raised Christ from the dead will quicken our mortal body through his spirit who dwells Within you. Verse 14. For all who are being led by the spirit of God. These are the sons of God. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. And we cry out Abba Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And so he he is catching these great truths from Jesus. And his job is to give them out to the body of Christ that they would enter into a mature standing and that these things would become part of their nature. Verse 17, and the children and heirs, Heirs also heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. So he goes through all these great uh, truths and promises and facts and lays them out. And then I can imagine as he's writing this, his spirit, you know, he's being carried along by the spirit of God in writing these things, but yet also his own spirit is rising up and he's being, it's, it's a thrill as he realizes that this is the message of Jesus Christ. In verse 18, he makes this proclamation I am convinced, as we embrace these great truths, as we embrace the promises of Scripture, there comes a moment where it becomes my truth, my gospel. I am convinced, Paul said. we just gone through all these great things that God has given us in Jesus. I am convinced that any suffering, any suffering we endure is less than nothing compared to the magnitude of glory that is about to be unveiled within us. And So all you know, these great truths, all of them, were so deeply ingrained into his character that whenever hardship and difficulty touched him, this is what came up out of him. I am convinced that nothing, that no suffering, we endure. He says it's less than nothing compared to the glory, the magnitude of glory that is about to be unveiled within us. If you will give yourself to the word of God, you can come to this place that it doesn't matter what the enemy throws at you. It's less than nothing. God is in charge. God God has our life. We love him, we embrace him. Amen. Gus sharing the story of he was uh, in Mexico or maybe he was over in the Middle East but he fell in he was going home after a meeting or something and he fell into a ditch it was completely dark and he broke his neck amen and he got back to the house where he was and he said he couldn't, his head wouldn't stay up he had to hold it you know? He went and laid down and God raised him up and from how he talks about it there was not even any concern that he had his life was in God's hands you're on a mission for God in life, you're walking with him you can trust him, financial difficulty It's in your hands, Father. Amen. It's in your hands, Father. Whatever the issues are, we can can have the gospel, the truth, rising up within us, affirming, affirming our belief in God and his care for us. Let me just read verse 28 here. In a similar way, the Holy Spirit takes hold of us in our human frailty to empower us in our weakness. For example, at times we don't even know how to pray or know the best thing to ask for. But the Holy Spirit rises up within us to super intercede on our behalf, pleading to God with emotional sighs too deep words. He's praying through us. He's praying for us through others. Verse 29, for those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. We are predestined to be conformed to Jesus, the image of Jesus. And so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren who are in his image. Verse 30, And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. This is who we are. These are the promises given to the body of Christ. God predestined you. He predestined you to walk after him. He predestined certain roads for you to walk down that are full of his provision and glory. Those he predestined, he also called. He called us before the creation of the world. Those he called, he also justified. He cleansed us from all sin. He made us right in right standing with him before the creation of the world. He saw it beforehand. We need to accept Jesus to make it active in our life, but this is his plan for you. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. And so Paul winds up with, gives an anthem again. What shall we say to these things of God is for us who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? God will give us all things we need. Everything. He gave us Jesus. He will give us everything. And this was real in Paul's heart and it he, he approached life in a fearless manner because he saw himself as being in the hands of God. Then verse 35, Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Verse 37, But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. And so once again, he's beginning to you know, rise up in his spirit as he's talking about all these things that God has done for us. You know, predestined, called, justified, glorified. This was real within him. This was the standing he knew he had with God, before God. And he was proclaiming it to the church And then in verse 38, for I am convinced. Again, this rising up of personal declaration. These truths were given to everyone, but now they become such part of his life. I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord i am convinced we can come in reality to that place no matter what happens no matter you know our world is in such a turmoil we don't know in six months what might be going on it doesn't matter I am convinced that I will always be in the hands of love. I will always be in the hands of God's provision. I will always be in the place where He will reach out and make a way so that I can fulfill His purpose for me on this earth. Hold the Word of God up. Hold, you know, maybe just take Romans 8 and take some of these great declarations and facts that Paul is declaring here and hold them up. Hold them up. Embrace them. Allow them, you know, this is what he gives to the body, but put yourself in there. This is what he gives to me. This is what he gives to me. This is what he has destined for me. And we just walk it out day by day. We're holding these great facts and truths up before the Lord they begin to change our inner man faith rises up joy rises up strength rises up I am convinced that nothing in this world Will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God wants you to have the confidence of being convinced. So no matter what happens in your life, the first place you run is you present your heart to the Lord. And Father, I thank you that you saw this from creation. I thank you that you've made a way. Come, Lord God. Come, Lord God. Invade my circumstances. Manifest your glory. I choose to walk with you. I choose to love you. So let's just say this together. Nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. That is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. Wow. Christ Jesus, my Lord. Father, we thank you today for your great love. We thank you for your great mercy for us. We stand in awe. We just stand in awe, Lord, what you have provided for us. Paul would also say, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I'm equal to everything. I'm equal to anything through him who infuses strength into my life. Thank you, Lord, for opening up our understanding. Thank you, Lord, for dropping truths into our heart as we go along our daily life. Thank you that these truths, Lord, become part of our personality and part of our character. Thank you, Lord, that the path before us is glorious because you're there. So just turn to your neighbor and say, I have a great future. Amen. So, Father, I just ask that you would bless our week with understanding, with truth, and with those things that you've marked out for us to catch by revelation. We will never be the same because we've encountered you. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Well, join us for a meal and let's fellowship around the goodness of God. Hallelujah. Remember the Genesis book, she'll have it in the back there. Hold on here, we're going to have communion. (laughs) Sorry about that. the bread and he broke it and he said this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me and so we thank the Lord for his broken body, we thank that he was bruised and wounded, that we might be healed, that we might be whole that we might have a new body in eternity that we might have great peace of mind that all the attacks and the things of this world and, uh, and the satanic power are broken over our life. His body was broken and I might be free. So let's just partake together. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Let's just give him thanks. same manner he took the cup and when he had given thanks took the cup and said this is the, the blood of the new covenant which is poured out for many there's total forgiveness in the blood of Jesus we are free forever we are set apart forever because the precious blood of Jesus is poured out for us and all our sins are wiped out forever. We have a righteousness before God because of what he has done. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's partake together. Amen. Amen. Augustine, did you have a prayer or something? <laughs> Hallelujah! Let's just make a bold confession: Jesus Christ is my Lord. He is my Lord. I will live for Him forever. Amen. Oh, the Lord bless you today.